Hey, welcome back to Season 3 of Pigeonhole Hockey, a participating member of the Hockey Focus family of podcasts, where I don't claim to be a hockey expert, but simply overzealous hockey fan that loves to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. I'm your host, Chris, and on this episode, we want to welcome back special guest, the play-by-play announcer for the NOCO Eagles, Brendan Price. Brendan, welcome back to the show. Well, Chris, it's always good to be back. It's always a fun time, and you know, playoffs are right around the corner. It is the most exhilarating and equal parts nauseating feeling of the hockey calendar. <laughs> it is. And uh, I know, like, I think the last time we had you on, Brandon, was kind of like a pre-pre-season preview. Um, and maybe even, no, no, we had you on for the draft. Yeah. Yeah, you were on for yeah. the, uh, the first stage of the draft. Yeah, and uh, we're, your draft worked out quite well in terms of, uh, uh, you, you didn't start off the, the year so strong. Your players struggled a bit. I think, again, the the problem with the, the I guess, the fantasy league is it not really a problem, but it, it goes with ebbs and flows because sometimes teams don't play for weeks. And so a player isn't collecting any points if they're not playing for two straight, three straight weeks. So, um, but it all bounces out at the end. And uh, I tell you what, you have been killing it. It's between you and the Chihuahua. So the, no, the Noco Locos and the Silicon Valley Chihuahua are neck and neck. For the championship, the other four teams in the the USPHL, you know, kind of fantasy league we're operating, uh, we're watching, but uh, we're, we can't overcome uh, with with just a weekend to go before playoffs. There's no way we can overcome uh, the the lead that you and the Chihuahua have built. Well, you know, they got we got to finish strong, and and that's uh, seems to be a common theme amongst everybody, right? Because I mean, kind of looking at even the playoff picture out west the pacific the mountain um you still got a lot of folks jockeying for playoff positioning right now which can change matchups which can change travel etc etc it can and that's kind of what we want to talk about is we want to give the listeners kind of a just a just a quick look at what the western usphl playoff outlook currently looks like and um, I like throwing out predictions out there because that's fun. And you can always uh, check out my ever-changing weekly article leading up to the playoffs on the Hockey Focus, uh, where I kind of change my predictions every week based off how teams are playing. But the final one will obviously come out right after this final weekend of uh, regular season action is over. But I'd say it's probably start off with the newest and smallest division out in the West. Let's talk about the Northwest. Well, I, I think what's kind of interesting about the the northwest right vernal is the overwhelming favorite the overwhelming number one seed right now as the seasons progressed uh, what'll be interesting to watch is you've seen seattle and rock springs kind of flip places seattle's progressively gotten stronger rock springs has kind of taken a step back um and then you've got rogue valley and bellingham they are dead even right now for the final playoff spot in that division yeah, and uh, that's not where Rogue Valley thought. I think they thought they'd be at this stage, considering the kind of the lead they had with Bellingham being off for at least a week or, a week or two here. But they, they traveled to Vernal, and uh, Vernal, I would say, won handsomely uh, the whole weekend. And I think yeah. I think Vernal's – what Vernal's saying is I, they've been underestimated all year. In, I think by 
by most standards all across the nation. And I don't think they're generally ranked. I were, do you know what their power ranking is right now in the USPHL where they currently stand? I don't, I don't off the top of my head either. I know, and kind of to your point, I think one of the things that has been really fascinating to watch um, as far as Bernal is concerned over the last couple of weeks is they've done a lot of, of tweaking and they've mm-hmm. done it particularly with nationals in mind. And yes. I, I really love that. I mean, they picked up Cole Bitson from Charlotte. They grabbed Ben DeFiori from Idaho Falls, you know, to go with uh, Antonio Tarantino in that to kind of give them that 1-1-A um, setup for nationals since you're going to run into pool play. Um, I really love what, what Mike Ginello is doing with that group right now in terms of trying to strike the balance between we know we're playing well, we know we stand a good shot in our division, and how do we prepare for some of those matchups down the road. Yeah, because that's the most important thing for Vernal moving forward is they have they've had first place locked up for a while. So it's how do you build up your team to compete on the national stage against the best teams in the USPHL Premier? And I think they've been doing a very good job with that. And I think you said those acquisitions have been incredible. They have a you know several NCDC commitments already. Yeah, uh, moving up to the NCDC next year. So they're a very well built team. They've even had I mean, they lost their captain to the pros. Um, yeah, so Kyle Russell is he's moving up. Uh, what he went up the Mississippi Seawolves of the uh, FPHL yep. and uh, put up a couple points right out the gate. Yeah, that's just an extremely well built team, and I would not want to be playing Vernal in the first stages of the uh, of the USPHL um, Nationals because I just don't see any other team out of the Northwest being able to hold down a three game series against Vernal. I really think it's going to come down to Vernal and Seattle, personally, yep. in in the in the Northwest. Bellingham or Rogue Valley, one of them's going to advance on to play in Vernal for the first round of the playoffs. But uh, I don't think any any other team in the division doesn't matter if it's Bellingham, Rogue Valley. Uh, I don't see Seattle or Rock Springs being able to hold down a three game series against Vernal. They're just so well built. And they're healthy. Uh, they're getting healthier because I know they they had a rough couple weeks there where I think they even lost some regular season games. They face some illnesses, face some injuries. Uh, they're they're getting healthier now. They're healthy. <laughs> Vernal Vernal is not a team I'd want to play, even if they were honestly if they were a team in the Pacific or Mountain, nobody'd want to play them either. I think they're just that strong right now, and uh, you know they they get to make a statement against Pueblo. As we maybe shift yep. this conversation over to the Mountain Division, they they will finish their last three games of the season in Pueblo in the Mountain Division. And Pueblo is not having the best go of it right now, probably on one of the you know worst losing streaks in franchise history. Yes, the, the Bulls right now, you know, they're sitting in fourth place. And, you know, we talked about it kind of in, in the Northwest Division, Rogue Valley and Bellingham are fighting for the last playoff spot. In the Mountain Division right now, the thing that you see is NoCo is in third place with 50 points. Pueblo's in fourth place with 45. They're still battling for third. And then Provo and Idaho Falls at five and six are only a point separated, and they're still battling for for positioning. But, you know, going back to the Bulls, I think the challenge that you run into, you know, they've, they've lost 12 in a row, is the second-half schedule just has not been forgiving. 
um, for them. They've had to play Utah um, five times. They've had to play Ogden five times. They had to play NOCO four times. I mean, they had, the, in the division anyway, they've had arguably the toughest second-half schedule. And I think the challenge for them is is you look at a potential first-round matchup. I think what's interesting is is if you could ask NOCO and Pueblo, maybe. I think that there's a part of them that for the first round, they would prefer these matchups. Right, Pueblo has played Idaho Falls well, or played Provo incredibly well all season. The Eagles have been more competitive against Idaho Falls um, than they have Provo. So it, it, the first round in the Mountain Division is really, I think, all about jockeying to see who avoids Utah in the second round and who avoids, you know, <laughs> yeah. more more than anything. Um, yeah, because they've been just an absolute wagon. Um, this year, more so than even the last two years, um, the outliers who are the two-time de- defending division champions, e- even more so this year. I mean, they're forty-five or forty-one-five and two. Um, they have run away with the top of the division really from the word go, and they're just so deep. I, I think that's the difference in the Mount Division. Is I think everyone's got really good top six really good top defensive pair, quality starting goaltender. I think sometimes where the outliers uh, have the leg up is they're, they're consistent and they're deep. Um, and that makes all the difference in the playoffs. It does. And I mean, they, they have been the top team in the mountain division for the past two years. And they here they are for a third year running. They are the team to beat. It's nobody wants to face off against them moving forward. Someone's going to have to. Uh, but the, the benefit for the Mountain Division this season alone is that someone's going to be able to go to nationals with the outliers. Because <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't yep. see the outliers not making it. The outliers, even if they don't win the division, they're going to nationals because they're going to, for some reason, have just dropped in the division title which i don't think they will i think they're going to win the division title for a third year running they're like you said they're just so deep they're such a well-built team they got so much talent on that team and the team that's been there for a while with guys like waldhauser and McHugh and koepke uh it's just it's such such a deep team and a feared team in the mountain division and ogden has had a great year their second place um they've been right up there with outliers for I would say the bulk of the year uh, with the Dan K shows uh, power rankings. And I think yeah. even a couple times overtaking the outliers in those power rankings. I don't know where anybody stands right now, but yeah, Ogden. Uh, I, I, I believe that it, again, the one thing I'd say that the outliers are like my one guaranteed team in the, in the playoffs right now that are going to nationals, unless something tragic happens in the outliers world where they just like get a massive illness or a weird, crazy injury bug here in the final weekend, the outliers are going to nationals and it's really up to every other team to try to get there with them. And even though Pueblo is struggling. And I think right now, probably based off of their play as of recent has the least chance of being that team that goes to nationals with Utah uh, unless something drastically changes, and again, they're they're facing Vernal this weekend, so we'll see. But the playoffs are a new season, and they just need to be able to win the series of whoever they face against when that time comes, because 
I if you put Ogden up against Noko, up against Provo, up against Idaho Falls, it's it's one of those things any given Sunday. It's I don't know who the team the teams are so close in terms of competition, in terms of depth. And then, like I said, Idaho Falls and Provo are relatively new, and they're they're not franchises that were kind of around before. Again, Provo is a new franchise compared to the old Provo franchise, and um, yeah, they but they built all season long, and I think these four teams, it's going to be who shows up. It, I you know I can make all the predictions in the world, and I have, but <laughs> I think it's going to roll down to who shows up when it matters, and um, we'll see who goes off to nationals with Utah. And I, I love that you made that that any given Sunday point because again that's thematically in the Mountain Division. I would say that the second half of the year there has been very little practical on the ice separation between two and six. I mean Ogden, Noco, Pueblo, Provo, Idaho Falls. It really has depended on what matchup shows up, what team shows up, kind of. I guess pivoting to even the three seed in the mountain division as it stands today um, would be Northern Colorado. There are 500 teams. They're 23, 23 and four. It depends on which Eagles team shows up, right? This is a, this yeah. is an Eagle team that, I mean, they have, they've beaten Ogden multiple times this year. They basically raced out, had a wire to wire stick to win um, on Friday night this past weekend against the Mustangs. Um, and then Ogden came out, took two of three anyway. Uh, it's a no-co side that it, at points has had winning streaks of four and three and had losing streaks of four and three. They've beaten Toledo, right, which is one of the the favorites to win the national title. Um, and so I think that's the challenge in even predicting in, in some respects, the Mountain Division is you look and you go, which team and which style of team is going to show up? I mean, you know, Idaho Falls, I think, is is eminently fascinating because they're even with 16, 29 and two as the overall record. I mean, realistically, this roster that they have now has been virtually a 500 team since being glued together um, yeah. coming back in, in January. And they picked up Colin Robotham kind of stabilize the, the, the position between the sticks and, and they can score and they can score in bunches with Davis and Goodwin and, and SJ LeCompte. So they're going to be, I think the five and six seeds, Provo and Idaho Falls, they are deceptively good. I mean, Provo yes. picked up Sava Serduk from Ukraine to help stabilize their goaltending situation. They grabbed Colin LeDuc from Toledo. And I mean, they have added a lot of physicality, and I think it's taken uh, Nick Nick Dreyer, their head coach. I think it's taken some time to really lean in and find that identity. But down the stretch, they've really leaned into they are a physical team. They want to score those grimy, dirty goals in front and, and get some good goaltending. And you know, in the month of February, they've got an overtime loss to Idaho Falls on their their register. They've got a sweep over the Eagles, by the way, who are the three. Per, presumative three seed at this point and they've got a win over Ogden at home as well and and so I think from an overall divisional picture um, out west uh, the mountain division I think has the most shall we say potential for surprises um, in, in a three-game series 
Yeah, and <laughs> I think that's been the story of the Mountain Division for the last several years. Um, and I know, like, you know, I was a long-term Mustangs fan uh, because that's uh, kind of how I got into originally the WSHL before, you know, yep. the teams uh, that were there, and now they're the USPHL teams. And um, I tell you what, as, as you know, a, a, you know, a Mustangs fan for, for so long, is I can tell you the last couple years um, – I think the Northern Colorado Eagles have haunted the playoff nightmares of not only me, but coach Kenny Orlando, <laughs> uh, I, you know, as, as good as the Ogden Mustangs have been those past couple seasons, they meet Noko in the playoffs and Noko just eliminates us uh, both times uh, the, the past couple seasons. And uh, I feel like just however things unfold in, in the next round, I don't think Ogden wants Noko. <laughs> to advance to face them however things unfold and uh I'm for Ogden's sake hope it, it changes but for Noko's sake you hope it doesn't and I think one of the big additions that can almost not leave off on this conversation with Northern Colorado is the fact that Braden Freifogel is back and yep. I mean that's such a huge addition back to the the roster for Northern Colorado. Just seeing him and I think Miri just kind of glove each other um, in front of the net was just something I missed because they've been doing it the last couple of years, <laughs> and it was like oh the old rivalry's back, you know, a little bit of face washing between the two of them, and uh, that's, that's that was good to see because I'm like okay this is this is the Eagles team that I'm used to with, with with this sort of attitude and again at right additions at the right time for Noko. Well and I think too with Fry Fogel, you know, he's got eight goals in fourteen games since coming back um from the SJ. And you know, I, I think observationally one of the biggest differences that just I've noticed in, in fourteen games back is he's really able not just to score but when he's out on the ice, he really commands and controls the puck, really commands and controls the tempo um, with his line mates. And, you know, they picked up, uh, Noko picked up Zach Nichols and, and Matthew Perry from Carolina. And, and Great uh, Nichols, Nichols in particular had a hat trick on Sunday, and he's got 12 points in, in 11 games. Um, and, and I think, you know, projecting out one of the, the pieces that up until the tail end of the season that had kind of eluded Northern Colorado was they didn't have what, what I would call right. That go-to line that you stick them out on the ice when you have to have a goal and they can go get you a goal. Um, I, I think that even looking across the division, you know, Utah obviously has, has Cohen and McHugh and that third winger has, has rotated around at times. It's been petty piece at times. It's been Waldhauser, Right, Ogden has had Williams, Boyatzis, and Murray as that top go-to line. Uh, a Pueblo. scary, scary top line. <laughs> yeah, Pueblo in, in <laughs> some areas is you know they've been able to utilize Ames, Hood, and Bugarin or Susie as kind of a rotation. They, they everybody has had a line. I think that it can go out and get them a goal. And and Northern Colorado with um, O'Reilly, Freifogel, and Nichols is really discovering that at the right time. And, and, you know, even going back to your point, Chris, about that, the scary line that is Ogden last weekend, when the Mustangs were in Greeley, one of the things in particular in Sunday, uh, in Sunday's game that, 
will make for an interesting watch, I think, in the playoffs is there was a lot more utilization of Ogden's two checking lines to start off the period um, in the first, the second, and the third. Yes, um, yes, there was. Really, uh, you know, I talked about it on the telecast on on Sunday in particular that the, the Mustangs' top line didn't get a shift until six minutes into the game because they were able to successfully roll out Weissert and Slayback and O'Neal, Henriksen, Keith Orlando. And I think that's the kind of thing that for the Mustangs to find playoff success, they're, they have to be able to do that. They are going to have to be in a position where they can, they can roll those lines and, and have some flexibility. They, miss, they were missing half their defensive core last weekend. They had to plot Mark and Jack Day back at the blue line. And and that Jack Day in particular, I thought, looked very increasingly comfortable at the blue line, which is a position he hasn't played all year. And and that's something that you may need in the playoffs. And so I I think for Ogden, having that that flexibility and maybe being able to find more confidence in that bottom six is going to be huge for them, especially on home ice, especially on home ice. Yeah, and they got to utilize that because, you know, they'll have that week off, as will Utah. And I I know neither <laughs> neither coach for uh, either organization is going to allow their teams to relax those two weeks. They're going to allow players to get healthier, but those teams aren't going to have breaks. They're going to be, you know, their their coaches their coaching staffs are going to be preparing them for what's to come, and what's to come is two teams that fought to get to their houses, and. You know, neither Ogden or Utah want to fall to that. It, it's going to be, oh, it's going to be so, it's, I, I can't wait for this playoff hockey. I've been waiting, you know, we wait all year to get to the point where we're in preseason games and we play regular season games. Now we're in that all too best time of year for playoff hockey where the the matches really, really mean something. It's, it's win or go home. I think it's incredible. And I don't know why some of these other junior leagues play seven games i understand that's like the nhl type vision but i don't think it's necessary in junior hockey to play a seven game series i think three to five five max but i yeah, think three is about it's just too much on the body for for junior players <laughs> they're not getting paid for a seven game series and that's that's a lot i mean that's when you think about our seasons that's what almost a fifth or a sixth of the season right there a seventh yeah. of the season yeah but uh yeah i think it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens. And I was very happy as well to just see in terms of the, the Mustangs, very happy to see Hirschfield have an amazing outing. Uh, he had a great weekend uh, for yep. the time that he played because Owen Yancey's really kind of taken that 1A role uh, most of the year. And he's played incredible. And uh, Hirschfield, uh, I haven't got to see him as much as we originally thought, but uh He's shown he's still the goalie <laughs> that Ogden brought back in last year. And, man, so like even just shutting down Freifogel on that one uh, break-in attempt by Freifogel where he tried to kind of go right back to the opposite side. I'm uh, just standing strong and, and covering the whole bottom part of the net right there. It was just it was an incredible save that uh, you listeners have probably already seen featured by the time this episode drops. So, yeah, uh, it was a great save there by Hirschfield. But... Speaking of like what is going to be a very close, tight contest, as much as we're talking about the mountain, it's going to be that way in the Pacific. The four teams that are oh in the Pacific goodness. 
Oh, it's unbelievable. These four teams, it could go any which <laughs> any which way. I did have someone on uh on Instagram say, Nope, this team's going through today. It's like, yeah, great goaltending, but all four teams right now have great goaltending. They all have great goaltending. They're all offensively and, and defensively deep. Is I mean Fresno is the best team yet again, uh, much like Utah. In the mountain, uh, Fresno, again, is a, is a top of the Pacific Division for what's really what you could say is a fourth year running because they were the top team in that division and they were a WSHL team. And uh, here in the USPHL, they've been at the top all three years and made it to nationals. And uh, here they are again, proven that they are still the monsters and you should still be scared of them. I tell you, and then stacking up like all these teams posturing for position just starting off with fresno uh fresno bringing in yuri stalev yeah from long beach um signing a free agent heath goldsmith who was previously with long beach uh bringing up uh fabian pizera out of lake tahoe because i definitely think they've def- they dealt with some recent goalie injuries because i did see the game where one of their goalies got injured um and couldn't put any weight on his leg as they they pulled him off the ice Potentially other illnesses or injuries, and before you know it, both Goldsmith and Pizarro, which also coincidentally were the two goalies we had on this podcast you know, earlier in the year, are now both Fresno Monsters. They have just added amazing pieces. They, they put together an amazing team yet again, and I will tell you, this is a team that has gone to Nationals the last two years, and they just kind of... Once they got the Nationals, the team wasn't there. It just it couldn't put it together. And I don't – Fresno doesn't want that to happen again. And you can tell by the way they've pieced this team together at the end of the year. Or I guess added pieces, not necessarily pieced the team together. But the team, the pieces they added at the end of the year is a, basically a team that's saying, not only do we just want to win the, the division again, we want to make noise in Nationals. Well, and I think, too, for me, one of the things that is – and you mentioned – you know, Fresno adding uh, Goldsmith and Pizarra. I, I think one of the things that will be the biggest point of, of maybe intrigue or potential armchair quarterbacking at the end of the day is uh, you have three of these teams, uh, Las Vegas, really the, the lone exception here, that you have two or three different choices you could go with in net, right? I mean, San yep. Diego... Um, you've got <laughs> Blackburn, like Brendan, like, Brendan, yeah, Blackburn, right? You uh, know, and then you look at we talked about Fresno. You look at Ontario; they've got a one one a situation going with Nicholas Heinsley and Josh Henson, mm-hmm. and, and you just that I think is going to be the big difference maker in in the Pacific Division is which goaltender is able to mean is able to maybe get hot, get their team through to nationals and try and blank some just outrageously good scoring. I mean, you look at Ontario with, with Ethan McKibben and Max Cathel. They have been incredible this year. Fresno brought back Chris Moraldo, who leads the league in scoring right now. Uh, Noak Parison has 93 points in 27 games. That's unreal. Um, Unbelievable. You know, Vegas lost. Heath mentioned Caleb Strong last year. Oh, they picked up Narek Alexanian. He's a point short of a 100-point season. No big deal, right? You just have so many options. Um, and, and I think in the three years in the USPHL, I don't know that one through four, I don't know that the playoff field from top to bottom 
has been as strong it is, as it is this year in the Pacific Division. And, and I think that, again, you could have any of these four teams come out of this division, and I don't know that in the West, I don't know that anyone would look and go, wow, there's no way I could have seen that coming. I think the, the formula looks different for each of the four qualifiers, but I think it's a, it's a doable mission to advance to nationals. Yeah. And that's the, that's the, the one team, again, I made predictions in on my article with, with, with every division. And again, those have changed every week, but the Pacific, the more these teams play each other, the less, the less you can separate them. <laughs> it's uh, they're all so well built and they can all, every, all four teams can just, like I said, be explosively dynamic and, their defense is just incredible and, like I said, very deep on goalies. And I will just even say, even with Vegas, yeah, Loic Marin is definitely the starting goalie there. But with the way Pedersen and Johnson play, you know, they've had, you know, when they put them in, they've had very good performances. And I think even this past weekend they played Griffith. Um, yep. I'm not sure how long Griffith has been with the team. If he's been there all year, I apologize. <laughs> but I don't recall seeing him a lot this year. It's really been Morin's net. And you'll you'll periodically see Pedersen and Johnson, and I I want to say is it I'm not sure if it was Pedersen or Johnson that recovered from a long term injury and was able to make it back in the net. I feel like it was Johnson, but it could have been Pedersen. But I mean, these are all you know those guys are all American born products, and they're they're incredible in net. I think the way Vegas has been playing that by allowing them to have a basically some pretty critical games where they are the starting goalies is giving them that responsibility, knowing that they have to face these other three teams in their division, one of them in the playoffs. Because right now, even with the way the field looks, it's every weekend it's changed who's facing who, except Fresno's up top. That's been the only consistent part, because now it's Fresno facing San Diego and Ontario facing Vegas. But it's going to change again. Fresno has no more games left, but they're, they're going to stay number one. All these other teams have to play. And I think Yep. Uh, if I'm not incorrect, two of them played at least four games. I yep. think San Diego and Vegas both play four games in Ontario. Was Ontario three or four games left? They at least had three, but maybe four. But there's going to be a lot of movement with these uh, these teams, and there's going to be a lot of um, jockeying for position to get that home ice advantage. All three of these teams want it all because – I can't even say that Fresno is going to be the team that fights for the national championship uh, spot because these teams are close. Unlike where I see in the Mountain Division and the Northwest where there's clearly for me, barring disaster in the Northwest, it's Vernal and Utah is definitely making it as one of the two teams out of the mountain. The Pacific? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you could. could I have no idea. And and I think in, in some respects, in some ways that feels disingenuous, right? Is is Fresno's the two time defending champion, same as Utah in the in the mountain. Mm-hmm. But I, I just I think this is the year that the rest of the field has has caught up to Fresno more so than in years past. And and I'm I'm really excited for that particular division. I I think it will be Fresno. I do not think they will be in sweeps. I think it'll take a full three in the first round, and I think it'll take a full three in the second because that's just the way that that division has gone this year for everybody. Yeah, and I think 
in my first article from a few weeks ago, I picked Fresno to be the team that advanced, if I'm not incorrect. Uh, but the past two weeks, I picked San Diego. I just, again, it's a, for all intents and purposes, it's a crapshoot. It's going to be what team shows up. It's going to be exciting to watch. I tell you, during the regular season, I, I still watch every game in the West. And I say that, but I would say about half the game, I'm doing other things. I'm waiting for the announcers to elevate their voice to let me know something's happening because I have to wear yep. my headphones around the house because my wife's in her master's program. So, you know, uh, when I hear that, I literally flip my headphones down so that it, the place stops where it is, no matter where I'm at in the apartment, whether doing dishes or cooking or whatever it is. And I go back and I watch that play. I listen for that, you know, peak in the voice. So any of you players out there that feel like I've missed one of your plays this year, feel free to send it. If I have it, I'll let you know. If I don't, you can add it to the the it's unbelievable the western my my highlights list in the west right now because i had a i think my list outside the west was over 100 but my highlights list in the west is over 500 right now most of those are goalie saves fellow goalies giving love and representation there i see this i see the beauty in a save way more than i see it in a goal sorry boys but i tell you watching the west uh watching all these highlights they're not highlights but watching all these playoff games in the west this uh this cycle i will not be watching these games the way i watch regular season games i will be sitting down watching these games i will take in every moment of the action because i mean we're talking about the pacific right now it's gonna be what period by period who shows up because i have watched teams even most recently you know you have a team that just destroys at one period is like non-existent the second period and then the team seemed pretty evenly matched the third period and it's period by period who's going to win the game is who plays out who <laughs> throughout the whole 60 minutes or beyond i think it's just going to be it's going to be a dog fight in the pacific and i couldn't be any more excited for it yep it's it's going to be a fun fun time it will so I will say that when it comes to the teams that advance out of the West, whoever they are, um, those will be the four teams I'm rooting for uh, at Nationals, naturally, uh, out of the 18 teams that go to Nationals. Um, that I think is after the first cycle of play goes down to 16 teams, and then I, they go into their pools from there. Um, yep. There's a whole thing about it on the US Patriot website. I probably should go back and look at it. Uh, I, I saw the article when it first came out, and then I haven't looked at it since, but... Um, I'm excited, and I'm definitely going to be living and dying with the four teams that make it. Uh, so hopefully when it, when it all comes down to it, it's the, the West is really representing there at the end. And uh, a Western team, for the first time ever in USPHL history, raises that cup. And it's, again, one, probably the toughest championship to win in the hockey world because it's you and 72 of your closest competitive teams that have a chance to raise that cup every year and only 18 teams even make it to nationals and yep. uh the odds of winning that trophy uh you know again, again massive congratulations to the rockets for winning it last year and the rush for winning it the year before that's that's a hard trophy to raise so if you make it there that's incredible so we're going to be i know i'm going to be living and dying with the four teams that make it no it's it's a it's a great time to be uh, a part of the Rocky Mountain West Coast hockey community out here, and um, 
we just got to keep waiting. You know, playoffs start in uh, a week and a half, right? It'll be the first round. So yep. uh, basically what I, I'm saying is I'll be unavailable either calling or watching games. And it sounds like Chris <laughs> will be in the same boat. So yeah. Yeah, I'll be uh, waking up each morning to watch these games, and uh, hopefully my work schedule doesn't interfere with it too much. But, you know, it probably will. Uh, but I'm literally taking in every moment of these uh, these games. You want to make any predictions or wrap it up? You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take Utah and and Noco coming out of the mountain. Okay. I'm gonna take Fresno out of the Pacific, and I'll take Vernal out of the Northwest. That's that's where I think the four will be okay well my thoughts this week haven't really changed in terms of uh well, at least uh vernal out of the northwest and utah out of the mountain um but i am going to stand by that i think the other team making it out of the mountain division right now will be ogden and that at the moment with the way they're playing san diego even though right now i think they're the fourth seed will be the team that comes out uh atop the pacific division I will tell you that my article next week after another weekend of action will be my final call <laughs> and uh, we'll see how these teams play. But um, I'm excited. I think that's what we're going to see. And any one of the teams that make it out of all these teams that make it will be the teams I'm rooting for. So very, very excited for that. And remember, everybody, if you're a junior goalie out there and you want an amazing and affordable mass design, order your dream design for your goalie mask at maskwraps.ca. Great price, custom design, fast turnaround, and completely removable. Order yours today at maskwraps.ca and get a 15% off your mask design with the discount code PIGEON2023. And even if you're not a junior goalie, you're you're just in your beer league or whatever, it, it, a mask is a mask. They, they do all masks. So use the discount code PIGEON2023. Uh, that said, we do want to thank... Brendan Price, the play-by-play announcer for the Northern Colorado Eagles out of the USPHL for joining us again today. Thanks for having me again, Chris, and uh, happy playoff season. <laughs> I'm excited. I, uh, one more one more weekend of regular season action before the playoffs. I couldn't. I literally can't be any more excited. <laughs> but that said, we do want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. Be sure to reach out if you're in the junior collegiate hockey world and wish to get on a future podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter, PHHOfficial, or on Instagram at PHH Podcast, or on TikTok at Pigeon Hockey Podcast to let us know what you think. This is the Pigeon Hockey Podcast with Chris and Brendan. And remember, listeners, always clear your crease.